0: 16, if you will, we're going to get back here into uh, actually one verse today, and we won't even get that verse done today. So, uh, as we come here to the end of the book of Romans, um, we, Paul is, has been, last time we were in verse 21, 22, 23, 24, where he, the salutations of those that are with him as he writes the book, Verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever, amen. Amen. And this end, as Paul begins to end the book here, uh, these last uh, three verses are rich in doctrine, rich in information, rich in the fact that Paul is now ready to commend the believers at Rome, us, to the advancement of further edification and to the issue of spiritual growth. Uh, just because we've come now to the end of the book of Romans doesn't mean we know it all. Um, and we have our foundation laid. We have that in place. We have that where it needs to be. We have those four pillars uh, of, uh, of uh, doctrine. Because of that, we have the issues there. And uh, like we saw in verse 17, 18 there, the attack of the adversary now, For the very first time, the Apostle Paul brings up Satan and talks about how he is going to attack and work and operate in the age of grace. He doesn't operate the way he did in the Gospels because God's not operating in the way he did in the Gospels. And we went through Paul's epistles and I showed you how Paul in each of the epistles except for Philemon says it's with good words and fair speeches. He's using men, preachers, and teachers. They want to be teachers of the law, not knowing what they're talking about, nor of the impact they're having on people. So when you come here in verse 25, we got through now to him that is of power to establish you. We got through the power part, okay? And again, the power issue here is God is powerful, but he is not talking about creating things. He's talking about the power lies in the issues of the edification process. If, if you come over to, to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, just uh, for um, reminder's sake, Ephesians 3. And so the power here does is the power of God, but it's the power in the edification of the believer to go to the next level. Um, in, in Romans 16 there, he's of power to establish, to establish you according to my gospel. That We've learned all about Paul's my gospel in the book of Romans. We've learned nothing about the issue of the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. We didn't learn anything about that. We didn't learn anything about by the scriptures of the prophets. Okay? So we, we, we're, that's future. That's next stuff. That's next step information. So in Ephesians 3, just verse 16 here, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Again, the, the next hour we're going to talk about how God works today. And where is he working? He's working in the inner man. That's where he's working. He, he's working, when he says there, with might, that's the issue of power, uh, down in verse 20. Not unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The, the Holy Spirit works in us. He's working in our inner man. And there's the power, the center. Uh, verse 20 is a fabulous verse. Because he says, that, that, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, I love that, above all that we ask or think there's nothing that you can think that he hasn't already thought of and got covered. So just when you think you got something new or some high minded idea, he's got you beat, but that what that does is exceeding. It's abundantly. See, it's above it's, it's a power that it just, it just overwhelms the, the, the situation. Verse 18. Well, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts How does he dwell there? By faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. Comprehension. Understanding it. Don't ever let anybody ever tell you you can't know something from Scripture. You can. You have to walk by faith. You've got to study it God's way. You get in, you, you work it out, and off you go. What are we going to comprehend? What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do, abund- to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And that's that power. So Paul, he, he's, hey, Christ dwells in you. You can comprehend the knowledge, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. You know all those four avenues of knowing. All that, the, all the scale. You can know it all, and you have that exceeding abundant capacity given to us. Come over to Colossians one, given to us, and what is designed to do that exceeding abundant capacity of God, that exceeding abundant power. It's designed to work in the realm of your inner man. He's working in you, not on you. See, He works inside of you. That then comes out into daily life. Colossians 1, if you look at verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what is he praying for you? You win the Powerball, you got an easy street, everybody loves you, nobody hates you. No. He wants you to have some spiritual understanding, some wisdom, some knowledge, and some understanding. Why? Verse 10, that, the purpose, the reason, the intent, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Lord. And off you go. That issue of the power. So when we come back into Romans 16, when he says, Now of him that is of power, he's not talking about power to go create and to do. This. He's talking about the power to work in the inner man of the believer now, the, the, the growth edification. We have those four pillars in chapters 1 to 5, the issues of our justification. By the way, you remember good words and fair speeches will say you got to work to get saved, and they dress that up. Then he comes over and he says, okay, because you are justified, now you have a new identity in Christ. You have a life that you can go live, his life. 6, 7, and 8, our sanctification, Identification. Then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, he comes in and says, okay, here's what's happening with Israel. And by the way, you are not Israel. You're not spiritual Israel. You're not replacement Israel. You're not a spiritual Jew. You're none of that. You are the church, the body of Christ. And here's what gives God the right. He doesn't violate anything that he's given word, his word to Israel. There's no violation of it. He's planned it. He's good to go. And then in chapter 12 to 16, he says, okay, now you got all that 11 chapters of doctrine. Now here, you're going to take all of that information now, and you're going to go apply it into the details of life that you're going to go live as you interact with other believers, as you interact with the world, as you interact with the government, as you interact with the weaker brother, whatever the scenario is, you have the ability to work through it. So when we're back here in verse 25, I'm not going to run through these verses because I know we've studied them over and over and over in different manners and and so forth because we need to be very mindful of where the power of God is manifested. It's not manifested out in the details of your life as you come in contact with them. Okay? Yesterday, downtown State Farm, not downtown, West Valley, there was the monster truck rally. I didn't know it was coming. I like monster trucks. Kind of cool. Kind of loud. Right? Amen is right. Okay. I didn't know they were coming until I saw the thing on the news on Friday, and then uh, yesterday at the men's fellowship, one of the guys said they're going. That was not a preordained event that Rick was going to go to. We didn't talk. No, that was what <laughs> State Farm Stadium people had put that on the calendar last year. That, t- that yesterday, they figured that out. I didn't. Now if by chance I had gone, then that, then I would have gone and enjoyed it and come home with a headache, I'm sure, okay? Because <laughs> of the noise level. It's amazing when you get older how things, little things like that just bug you. But see, the thing is, is, that's not where the power is manifested. The power is manifested in your inner man. As he comes in and as you take in the Word of God, rightly divided, study it, p- put in these details. You can spend a lifetime in just the book of Romans. I would encourage you to spend some time and then get over and get some advanced doctrine in you because I think that's, you know, you need that as well because that's what Paul is doing. Paul is commending the believer. Uh, Come back with me to Acts 20. Here's the idea from last time. Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul is, uh, he's uh, at uh, Miletus Miletus, sorry, and he's been talking with the elders of Ephesus, verse 32, he says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God. That's what he's doing in Romans 16. He's commending the Roman believers, subsequently you and I, to who? To God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You see that issue of Building you up, what have we been doing? We've laid the foundation, and now we're going to move the superstructure, and we're going to move on and put start building this edifice of sound doctrine in our inner man. So when you come back to Romans 16, 25, that issue of the power, it's manifested. You manifest the power of God in your life when you take that inf- the, the, the doctrine into you, and then you go live it. And it, let it impact your life. Let it impact your thought process, your reactions to things. How you, you know the old thing, of W.W.J.D. What would Jesus do? You know they made a big propaganda market. But when you think about that, what? How would Christ react to whatever the situation is in front of you? That's what Paul's getting at. That's what the doctrine is getting at. The doctrine says, here you are in the age of grace, God's grace, that exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, it's there for you. How would he react here? And what that causes is in the moment, what does that require you and I to do? (laughs) Take a breath. Take a minute. Calm down. Think it through. Access the doctrine in you and let that be what is it. Not a knee-jerk reaction. That thing in Ephesians: Be angry and sin not. You know what happens when you're angry? You overreact. You flare up. You you just you, and then you go, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that." Well, you can't take it back. So what should you do? Train yourself to not blow up. Why? Christ, could you imagine the having the attitude of Christ as Judas Iscariot came over and kissed him on the cheek and identified him as the guy, the troublemaker? To the Roman soldiers and Christ just says okay let's go no wonder you know you know what Peter did didn't you pulled the his, pulled his sword ready to take the dude's head off and what did the Lord do no put it away Pete that's not what we're here for why because he knew that he had the power to, to give his life and to take it no man take it but that I don't I give it he had that but he did his reaction his thinking wasn't one of Boom! It was a calm response in the heated moment. Paul has that in Philippians. Paul's sitting in prison, and he says, "In whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. I've been instructed both how to abase and how to abound." Instructed. What it instructed Paul? Paul was not a—he wasn't a laid-back, easygoing guy. Okay. He was very much on the go, and we, what did he do? He says, "I was instructed, I learned that no matter what's going on, I'm going to be content." Why? Because, well, he'd been there. Second Corinthians 12, my the thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient. He learned that. See, he so there's a learning curve here. <laughs> you know, Dad always used to say, "Bore a hole in your head and dump it in there." He did not do that. You've got to study this. You've got to put it into your life. Now, go back to to verse 25. Okay, all that's review for last week. Uh, Butchered, but it's there. Then he says in verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, notice, according to, The revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And notice something there just real quick. We're going to get into this next week or the next week or the next, whenever we get there. Notice in verse 26, it doesn't say according to the scriptures of the prophets. It doesn't say that. We all read it that way. Because what do we want to read? Well, you know, Paul's information was back in the prophets, don't you? It doesn't say that. It says what? by the scriptures of the prophets. Why? Because there's some things going on there with the office of the prophet within the body of Christ in the early days that you have to understand. Everything. The other two, according to, according to. So this isn't just going to be something that Paul's thinking about because when he says, my gospel, whose gospel is it? His, personally. But before we get to all of that, there's that little word, establish. And that's a critical key word here. And uh, now to him that is of power to establish you. And I want to look at that word this morning with you because the context is king here, okay? There's an idea that out there that established and established can be used interchangeably so you shouldn't uh, be all upset about the spelling and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And I'll be honest with you, that's not, I'm not after right or wrong spelling or any of that, okay? Your Bible, your King James Bible, has the word established, okay? It doesn't say established, it says established. That's sitting in front of you, right? Nobody's got an E? If you do, then we've got to identify that publisher quick, okay? Because there's something deeper here that, than what Paul's getting at, than what established means. All right, go back to chapter 1 and verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 11. I know the, I know the guys who talk about established, established, can, can be interchanged. You know, the good guys, I'm not arguing with them. I've already done that to a degree. But what I want you guys here to understand and to see is that all way and all ways, thoroughly and throughly, they're different because the the and they need to be different because the context is what demands that not what a dictionary says i'm going to i should have brought out my oxford english dictionary i have one and it's all got all 20 volumes in it so there's like eight little and you have to have a magnifying glass to read it i have to have a magnifying glass and then a magnifying glass on top of the magnifying you know and then the bifocals working you know but and the light just right but see the thing is is when you look at scripture, let the word define it for you. Let get into and see what's going on. In chapter 1 verse 11, when we started the book 4 years ago, 3 years ago, 167 lessons ago, 167 hours ago. We noticed in ver- the way the epistle starts is in the introduction, the writer of the epistle is going to tell you what we're going to what the goal is. What is the goal verse 11? For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. E. Well, all right, what is that? What is his goal? Verse 12, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So the spiritual gift is the mutual faith. It's the doctrine, okay, that's going to establish them, set them up, okay? And, and that establishment doctrine. And what it's going to do is it's going to come in now and it's going to set the situation up for us. And what Paul is doing is, is he's, asking, he, 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 he's asking the Romans here to be established. And what he's doing is, is he's going to lay in the establishment, EST, doctrines. But in Romans 16, all that's been laid in now. It's done. Now we're going to be stable on it. We're going to be stabilized. We're going to be established. Okay? So you've got to kind of think this through as we go here. All right? In the Oxford English Dictionary, since that's what everybody likes to quote, establishment has a definition in the sense of to place or to set firmly into position. Okay? Set it up. Lay the forms out, pour the concrete, and it's done. Chapter 1 here, we're learning he wants it to be set in place. What's he wanting to do? Verse 12, the mutual faith, both of you and me. He's seeking to do just what that word's defined to do, and that is to firmly set the believer in a foundational core of doctrine on which we can then continue on, in growth and development spiritually wise spiritual wise okay get it laid in so romans is our foundational book that's why it's the first book in the list it's not the first book he wrote but it's the book doing what establishing stable establishing everything now when you come to the end of the book chapter 16 verse 25 it's all been set up So he's what? He's established us. So when you go to the Oxford English Dictionary and you look up established, they've got these little icons by by things. So you go look at what the icon is, you know, go to the ledger. And this little icon, it looks like a dagger, like a sword. And what it says is, is that those definitions are archaic and no longer considered in use. So he's got like eight of them. Under established The first five are not in use anymore. Six, seven, and eight are in use. And it's interesting, I, I had it here. Hang on. Oh, see, I should have just brought it out. Anyway, we're going to get over there. I got ahead of myself. Look at established in, in verse 25. The sense uh, the first five are definitions to place or set in position, a, uh, uh, in, in other words, to set in place a person or a position, to set a person permanently in an office and so forth. Well, established carries that definition now. Established doesn't. It's moved away from that. But number six, the first one, ready to go, to render, indubitably. <laughs> you know what the word indubitably means without doubt all right indubitably i just indubitably you'll learn new words right indubitably actually i had to hit the thing to make sure i was saying it right you know to to render indubitably supported by proof or testimony so without doubt What is it? The testimony says this is the condition. To make secure, to strengthen, to reinforce, to render stable in faith and virtue. That's the other two definitions. Okay. So when you come in, it says, the word established from the 16th century, there seems to have been a tendency to confine the use of the forms established to those uses in which the relation of meaning to to stable, the adjective, is apparent, i.e., where the notion is rather to strengthen or support than to found or set up. Established means to found it and set it up. Stable says, no, we're going to do what? We're going to support it. It's done deal. Okay? So when you hear the guys yak about the definition stuff out of a dictionary, be very careful. All right? Because when we come into Scripture, guess what we're going to see? The word establish is the correct word. Because what is Paul getting at here? What's he doing here? He's setting some things up, isn't he? Whereas established, by the way, I just, I didn't finish reading that. The modern currency of the word is uh, literary and reminiscent of the Bible or, or or any pagan book, religious book. So in other words, what Oxford is saying is you're going to see establish, st only in the religious connotation of what? Supporting what has already been set up. So when you come into, into the issue here, establish implies the idea to set up, to found it, to form it, to, the, to, to get, get it all squared away, which is exactly what Paul has done. What's he done? Justification, sanctification, the dispensational considers, and then the grace application. Now, Stable is different, established now to him that is of power to establish you, much deeper than just setting this up, okay? Just, so, when, by the way, when you read words and you go, I have, all way and always. ways, okay? <laughs> oh, what's that? You know, they're the same, but not in Scripture. They're not the same, see? Um, when you think about i don't know if you've ever really thought about those words all way and always always all the possibility okay all way all the way to the end all the possibilities are there but where are we going all the way to the end see and you see that in philippians 4 and philippians 1 and so forth where Paul says, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, Philippians 1. But if you look at Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. You see the all way? All the way to the end. Well, what's the end? Chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what am I going to do? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord all, way, all the way to the end. Now, that is that is the text defining that. It isn't a dictionary, because if, by the way, you go to the 1828 Webster's, and you know what it says under all way? See all ways. Well, that didn't do me no good. It's like Strong's Concordance. You have to be careful with that stuff because they have—they come with a pre, good words and fair speeches, <laughs> a good preconceived idea. Anyway, go back to Romans 16. Okay. By the way, thoroughly and throughly, you know that verse, right? Second Timothy 3. Just to give them to you, might as well. Second Timothy 3, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works and it's t h r o u okay and they say we'll see thoroughly and thoroughly t h o r but that's they're different thoroughly t h r o u is completely full whole right down the right down the direction he's given it inside out it's coming inside out thoroughly means something else okay so when you come in and you start pulling the dictionary out to help you identify define words. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Because you need to understand, indubitably. what does that mean? <laughs> indubitably, without doubt, obvi- oblivious to doubt. Well, you wouldn't know that unless you looked it up in the dictionary. If I said serendipity, another beautiful word, you know, see, Calvin took that and went to town on that word. Destroyed it. So, but when you look at it, you understand. It's not anything about the wrong about using a dictionary. It is when you come into Scripture and you try to make Scripture say something that matches the dictionary rather than leaving it in the context. In Romans 16, the word should be established. Okay? Why? Because there's something deeper here that Paul's getting at. Our doctrinal Romans is the anchor. It's the foundation of our doctrinal understanding. And here he's going to do, what Paul's going to do now is he's going to release the believer to continue on in edification. And he's emphasizing not the need to fix or found something, but rather to continue to support it and then to build on it. And to build that strength and security that we need as we move forward. Because who's on on the scene now? Satan is. The satanic policy of evil is. Verse 17, 18. So the issue here, you know, you can establish something. You can fix it, found it, get it going. And that is what the book's doing. But in Romans 16, because we are founded in that core doctrine. He's commending us now to the future work of edification. By the way, where do we find out about the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery? We find that doctrine in the book of Ephesians. Where do we see by the scriptures of the prophets? We really see that in Thessalonians when we get over there. as how it's going to interconnect with everything else. So we're being released to the next level of edification and the internal strength and stability and steadfastness that we are going to need in light of what he just told us in verse 17, 18, 19, and 20. Okay? That that attack of the adversary to destabilize you. So what do we need? We don't need to be fixed and founded. We need to be what? Stable. We need to be supported and strengthened. Because what do the good words and fair speeches do? They destabilize. Work to get saved. Work to prove you are saved. Well, you're really Israel. So when you read Israel, just read body and you'll be okay. And then work to, to stay saved. Prove it. Uh, win them, wet them, whip them, and work them. And then whip them some more. And, and that's what, but that's that destabilization of who you are. And that's the attack. Look at verse, uh, I'm in Romans 16 now. Let's look at verse 27. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. You see, to God only wise, what Paul's doing here is as he's releasing us to further edification so that our inner man can be stable and strengthened in light of the satanic policy of evil that's going to continually oppose your edification. He says, you know what, guys, really the battle is wisdom. It's a wisdom battle. Whose wisdom plan is going to be accomplished? The adversary has one, but God has one. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. That is not a good statement. People use that. Oh, see, look at how wonderful and blah, blah, that is a That is an indictment here. Because where are they? They're in the wisdom of the world. Verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Come over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, 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 the, the hidden wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the lord of glory so it's a wisdom plan here to god only wise look at his wisdom plan look at what he decided to do he takes a a heathen an unbelieving jew and an unbelieving gentile and then he takes his son and he and he again remember exceeding a power abundant above all that we're able to ask or think and then he divide he had a the plan to have his son die for all of humanity, not just for Israel, that's Israel's program, their Messiah, but for all, and he kept that a secret. See, it's a wisdom plan. The most shocked creature in the universe on the road to Damascus in Acts 9 was not Saul of Tarsus. It was the adversary. Because at that moment, it dawned on him that he made a mistake by killing the Messiah because he just said I'm doing something with you now. See. So you you have to think about this is a wisdom game. This is the the God only to God only wise. And the battle is over who is the wisest. You remember uh, you're in are you you're in uh, look over at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. In verse 3, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. How did he beguile Eve? What did he do? Yea, have God said. Did God's word really say what you think he said? That was a baby. No. I think they're walking next across the, the street. The dog park this morning was very active. It's the last beautiful day before the heat gets turned on, apparently. Um, well, how did he get Eve? He didn't get Eve by dangling anything in front of her. He just got her to think. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Well, then what did what did what did Satan say? If you come and join me, I'll give you the decoder code. So you know what God really meant because you see those guys over there going up and down the angels those gods he doesn't want you to be like that well no kidding he had created Adam and Eve for something different than the angelic realm but she didn't have enough what foundational doctrine in her Adam standing right there didn't pipe up that's how crafty this is that's how deceiving this is by the way if you keep reading so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity That is where? In Christ. Where was Adam and Eve? They were in Christ. They were in His likeness. They were in His image. They were 100% good to go. And then the adversary just asked a simple question. Did God's Word, come back to Romans 16, did God's Word really say that? And you know what we do today? Same thing. Did God's Word really... Does God's word mean what it says, say what it means? Oh, better guess what? A better translation would be, a this or that would be, well, my book that I'm reading about the Bible, and not reading the Bible, but reading the book about, says this, so that's it's what it's got to be, because he's really no. But yet, what did we learn in, in Romans 16 to 20? Good words and fair speeches. Good words. Argumentative reasoning, human argumentative and reasoning, logic. I'm going to be honest with you, it is not logical for a Jew to die on the cross for all of mankind. That's not logical. But yet, it is exactly what he did. It's not logical for that to happen. And then on the third day, rise again. That's why Pilate and the boys are like, okay, you guys, you say that his followers stole the body. (laughs) They, you know, you think you, you 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 think that blame game hadn't changed much. <laughs> it hasn't. See, that's not logical. So what are they? Good words, fair speeches, motivational speech, reach in that emotional base and grab the emotions and make the emotions the issue. I think about the the power of positive thinking. Blah. All that's designed to do is to get you to not be here where you are. You ought to have the power of positive thinking based upon who you are in Christ. Understanding Romans six, seven, and eight, understanding the details of life in Christ Jesus, and that's power. That's way better than trying to re- recite a whatever he. Like, who was that guy? Norman Vincent Peale. Yeah. yeah, you know he just needed a book to sell. Okay. Anyway, are you back in Romans sixteen? Okay. Whew. Come over to Ephesians 6. (laughs) You see, folks, the battle here is over who is the wisest. And we need a stabilizing force that comes from the edification process, which we've learned and gone through in Romans 1 to 16. That will provide all that we need to defend us against the adversary and his plan of evil. That's what Paul is getting at. That's what we need to be rooted and grounded in. Because the adversary's attack is designed to uproot us. Its design is to come and to, and to destabilize our thinking. Look at Romans six, or Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Uh-oh, preacher's famous words. Finally, my brethren. Right? Be strong where? In the Lord. That's that's chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. All those spiritual blessings you have in Christ. And in the power of His might. That's chapter 1, verse 15, to the end of that chapter, verse 23. The program. The power of His might. Okay? Now watch. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. The tricks, the the good words and fair speeches. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Please always remember verse 12. The men, the people in front of you who are who are using the good words and fair speeches, they're not the problem. Okay? What's the, what's the servant of the Lord to be? Gentle, meek, instructing in those that oppose themselves. Why? That God, peradventure, will give them the acknowledging of the truth and they will be able to recover themselves from the snare of, and the will of the devil. Okay. Now I butchered the end of that verse, so you can go read 2 Timothy 2. Okay? But the thing is, is they're not the problem. What's the problem? The system behind them. Verse 13, now watch. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and off he goes with the the armor. But notice, stand and what? Withstand. Those are two different things. You're going to stand on the doctrinal foundation of Romans and here on the book of Ephesians. But then you are to withstand, and withstanding is the external forces that are applying pressure on your building. Now, think about a tornado. I've been through a hurricane. I've been through a tornado. I've been through an earthquake. You know what the scariest one is? The earthquake, because you don't know what's coming. Tornado, hurricanes, all that other, you can see them coming. Well, are we in the cone of hit? (laughs) Yes, then let's, we can do, but that earthquake, man, when that earth moves, you forget about it. (laughs) It drops out. Everything is, you're in the bathroom. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) It's a mess. So, but the thing, and I've been in a blizzard, but you see those coming. But think about your building in a tornado. Think, you remember the three pigs? The three little pigs? What was the first house? Straw? Okay. Is that a building? Yes, it is. It's on a foundation, but can it withstand? It can stand, but it can't withstand the wolf, the huff and the puff. Think about what's the next house, wood, the sticks. It's a building. It can, it's standing, but what, it won't withstand the attack. What's the last guy? The brick, right? So it can stand, and it can also what? Withstand. That's the idea here. We've got... We're established. But now we need to be established. We need to be able to withstand. And that is the ability to resist, to oppose the external forces that seeking to... Well, chapter 4 of Ephesians toss us to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So in Romans 16 back there what Paul is doing is is you are established here, established E you got the four you got the slab of concrete of doctrine set up you got the four corners set you got the, uh, the line drawn in there so it can expand and, and, and all that you've, you've got the foundation. now I'm going to commend you to the power of God to continue on in the spiritual growth and edification process. And it's going to do more than just root you. It's now going to cause you to be able to withstand the satanic policy of evil. It's going to cause you to be able to ward off and to fight off the good words and the fair speeches. So we have this building built. And then what? Stabilized. Reinforced. Remember the definition there? To, to, to support it by proof or testimony. By the way, we're going to see here in a minute the test who the testimony is. The Word of God. Okay. Just in case we don't get there. All right? So look over with me at, uh, uh, well, you're in Romans 16. Look at verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have what? Learned. Doctrines learned. You're rooted and you're built up in it. Come over with me just quickly to Philippians 3, verse 15 and 16. You've learned this. It doesn't say to mark and avoid those who walk contrary to the doctrine. It it says the doctrine you have what? Learned so that means you've you've read it, you've studied it, you've taken it and put it into the details of your life, and now you're outliving it. Someone's come up that is opposing that. Good words and fair speeches, verse 18, and you're able to deal with it. Now, Philippians 3, verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect. And again, 2 Timothy 3, that's the issue of being thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's talking about maturity. It's talking about edification. It's talking about growth. Be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. How does he do that? Studying his word. Study to show thyself approved. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. Okay, so what have we already attained? Our justification, our identification in Christ, the dispensational settings with Israel. So now when we get the, the heart tugged, to send money and food to Israel because they're suffering. We understand. Can you do that? Sure, you can do it. Just don't look for a blessing. Why? Because we're blessed with all already. See. And then we have that. So we have a what? We have a foundation. We're already there. Then let's not do what? Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Don't go back on it. That's the doctrines learned. So go back to Romans 16. So the doctrines learned, verse 18, here's the tactics. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. That's self-interest. Their own belly. Self-interest. Their appetite. That's your belly. Yesterday we had donuts and uh, bagels. Thank you. And I'm looking at them going, man, that bagel looks good. But you know what? That apple fritter looked way better. And the apple fritter was uh, no longer there. It was gone. And I was not the better for it, but it was still good. The appetite, the belly, the self-desire, the self-interest. And by but their own belly and by good words and fair speech to deceive the hearts of the simple. The simple there, Proverbs 14, those that are not established in the foundational doctrines. Verse 19: here's the answer: for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. The obedient, your obedience of faith, obeying the doctrines learned. Now, the power, verse 25, the power where we're able to fight off the satanic policy of evil, we have the power to provide a stable, that provides a stable capacity and an inner strength to then stand against the adversarial attack. That's why in verse 20, bruise Satan under your heel shortly. Even though we understand that language to go back into Genesis 3, we understand that language to also move out into the ages to come when he does do it. But we also understand that we do that now when we do what? Operate on doctrines learned. What are you doing to the adversary when you live like who you are in Christ? You're just reminding him of his defeat. Okay, It's a constant reminder that... Colossians over there, triumphing open and o- uh, openly. Uh, man, just, the verses today are just... Having spoiled principality and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And yet there's a cross. See? So, w- that issue of... There's something deeper here with that word stable, establish. Okay? it's used in the sense of strengthening and stabilizing something that already existed. It's not talking about setting it up or finding it or founding it and moving it. It's already there. Now, come over to 2 Corinthians 1. We got just a few minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I just I want you to notice when Paul uses that other that word establish, how he uses it in other places. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 or 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is who okay so who's doing this God the Father go back to verse 3 blessed be God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despired, despired even of life, and but we had the sentence of death. Notice how Paul, in the context of suffering and tribulation and the attack of the adversary, he says, verse 21, what's the stabilizing force in your life? Life in Christ. And who put you there? God the Father did. See, the context helps you understand, not setting something up, but what? Living on what you already got set in. See, Stabilization, stabilizing. By the way, here's that proof of support of the testimony. Okay. Come over to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Look, isn't that interesting? Rooted, firmly fixed, and built. So we've been doing some building, haven't we? We've been moving forward in advancement in, in doctrine. Stable, established in the faith. But what's the context of verse 7? How about verse 4? I would... And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Verse 8, because beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or, uh, or, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Verse 18, let no man beguile you. Right in the middle of the adversarial attack on you, What does he say, verse 6? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and what? Established in the faith. You know what's going to stabilize you in the rocky moments of the adversarial attack? He is. The doctrine's learned and who you are in Christ. You're not setting anything up. You're already there and you're you're on board. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. This is a great verse. Talking about the future here. 1 Thessalonians 3:13. To the end he may establish your heart, unblameable and holiness before God, even our Father. Notice when this is going to happen, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. When he takes you, if you come over to Ephesians 5, just in connection to this, when when you and I, when we're raptured out, the event we call the rapture, our gathering together, we meet the Lord in the air, we go through the judgment seat of Christ event, we come out on the other side, the Lord Jesus Christ is literally going to take the body up into the third heaven and present it to the Father. And when He does that, your condition... Is going to be unblameable in holiness before God. That's your condition. You've got the new body. The judgment seat of Christ has has cleaned up your inner man, got rid of the wood, hay, and stubble. All that's left standing is the gold, silver, and precious stones. By the way, remember what those are, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Standing there, wood, hay, and stubble, that's the human effort, that's the human religion, that's everything you tried to do on you. It's all gone. You're standing there. He takes you into the Father. The capacity of your service has now been revealed. I'm, I'm letting you find Ephesians 5. Okay. Look at verse 27. That he, and that's Christ, might present it, that's going to be the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The only time that that ever is going to happen in history is out there after the second after the second, after the judgment seat of Christ, when he does 1 Thessalonians three thirteen. And in three thirteen, to the end he may what establish you, stabilize you out. You're going through the nasty now. And now guess what? We're not appointed under the wrath. We're we've been delivered from the wrath to come. So when the adversary comes and he's attacking, what do I know, doctrines learned, that's going to happen over here one day? I'm going to be presented how? Holy? Without blemish? Going, looking good. By the way, that's Ephesians 5. That's the attitude of the husband toward his wife. Make her the best wife. Make her look good. Why? Because he loves her like Christ loved the church. And what's Christ doing with the church? Making it look good. Dressing her up. You know, the old saying, well, anyway, the old saying, I'll get me in trouble. (laughs) It's about Mary Kay. Anyway, come back, if you will, to Colossians 1. Oh, we got to quit. Colossians 1. You see, folks, that word establish, again, if you want to use establish, go ahead. I just personally think Paul's on a deeper level. And he's not saying let's reset up anything. He's saying no, all that's been set up. Now it's here, designed to stabilize you in the pick in the moment of the adversarial attack, because that's what's coming. Uh, Colossians one, if you look there um, at verse twenty-two in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, therefore I, Paul, am made a minister. What we need to do to present to prevent verse 23, the move, being moved away, is that stabilizing issue of the doctrine the strength the stable so that's why in romans 16 now to him that is of power to establish you what's he going to do he's going to stabilize you according to my god and according to the preaching of jesus christ and by the scriptures of the prophets Okay, and we'll get it all, we'll start all that next time. I say start my gospel. Alright? Just see what's happening. Why I've said it before. Every word is critical. Even the little two-letter words, even the one-letter words, they are critical. At the cross, by the cross. Completely different. They're critical. That's in Ephesians, by the way. The gospel of and the gospel, too. See, So you have to pay attention to those things. Why? Because there's deeper meanings to it. Can it be used interchangeably? Sometimes, sure. Eh, no big deal. But in the context, guess what? It is a huge deal. And I think that's the case here, too. Okay? All right. Thank you for listening out my little rant about this. But just see what's happening here. and what Because what Paul's doing is that releasing, that commending time for you to move on now okay all right holy father we thank you for the morning lord we thank you for your word and above all lord we just thank you for who we are in your son for everything that you've given to us in him and that we might walk worthy of you and of him in the details of our lives in your name we pray